days can feel slightly gimmicky and whereas where it's that thing of like oh we're going to do church and hey you kids come along for the ride and we'll let you stand up the front and we'll you know that actually felt something so much more than that you know that's never been our heart by the way but but that, that it actually felt like oh my goodness our, those kids or our children are leading and we're coming along with them. And that's really profound. For me, it was such an incredible encouragement coming into these couple of weeks where we really feel like God is stirring us and bringing to us to a place of actually vision and mission and what, what actually Maharingi Vineyard is all about. I feel like the kids have done it for us. You know, kind of they've showed us in a way a snapshot of, I believe, what, what is to come. And so, so if you missed it, I'm so sorry, um, because it really was extraordinary and really, really powerful. And so, you know, like we, we've been kind of, this sort of, these couple of weeks have been stirring within, when us, within us for a while. And, and really, I think last week was, was just another sense of an increasing sense of God really moving us as Maharingi Vineyard to a, to a place um, like um, this right here, where, where I actually think God is calling us for an all-in type of, a type of um, meeting together, and, and really that he wants to communicate to us um, some of the more that he has for us. I, what I do think, though, is that it's really wise before we look forward um, to actually to look back and to consider where it is um, we've come from. And so we want to actually just take a little bit of time to, to communicate with you guys about that as far as the church goes, but also um, equally the paralleled story of, of us personally over this time. And so, so those of you may or may not be aware, but at the end of 2019, um, we kind of made the difficult decision, um, difficult, but I actually felt really confident about it to end what was our, our very long-standing um, leadership team together. I can, I can hand on heart say um, those people are some of our dearest, closest friends and continue to be um, some of our dearest, closest friends. But but notwithstanding the fact of like our leadership teams were just really like friends getting together and enjoying one another's company and and. Probably a lot of leaders would have recognized it well before me, but I love to have fun, so I was kind of like, ah, oh, we'll just carry on. Um, and then eventually it was like, oh, wait, decisions, the decisions and leading of Maharingi Vineyard aren't really happening in this group. We're having a great time together. Um, so, so kind of like was this decision to sort of say, actually, do you know what? I feel like we're, we're in for something new, something um, different, which, by the way, is a really natural, healthy sign of, of, of church. Is church leadership, church um, structure is actually designed to change and to move as growth and seasons in life happen. And so that was the end of, of 2019. Our plan, do you remember when we used to have plans? Remember that? So our plan was, and we were really, we were really slick about it. I was really proud of myself and my great plans of taking the summer to really pray and then starting the new year, 2020, gathering together, rebuilding. And then, as you know, um, 2020 happened. And so instead of doing all of that, we kind of found ourselves... Um, in the middle of church with, with COVID, with lockdowns, with online services, you know, us in our lounge, feeling completely out of our depth with an iPhone in front of us. Um, and, and really, over that season, where I just want to take time to really honor the staff like Dej and, and Tammy and all those um, staff who really faithfully covered and, and adapted so well of trying to do tribe and is that all right? Trying, trying to do tribe and creation, and still be connected and, and still kind of redefine worship. And I think we did that incredibly well. Um, and then also as a, as a movement for us personally over that season, um, the Vineyard Movement was so supportive, gave us so much guidance and, and help and support along the way. And so that's really what, what happened for us as the church. But Angela's just going to go into a little bit about... Um, just looking back for you guys about where what's been going on for us personally. Hi, I'm really nervous too, and I'm thinking this was a bad idea. Um, yeah, so 2020 was quite the year. I think we would all agree with that. 
But for me personally, I was so excited for 2021. Our um, nest was emptying, so we thought. There was a few chicks have flown back in since then. But anyway, we're at the beginning of 2021, we were so excited for this new season of our life. It was like um, we had decided we were going to walk the great walks of New Zealand. We have not. Um, we just, yeah, we do still have time. I think they're all booked now. But we were going to take time to live our very best empty nest life. That was, that was our plan. And it was just, it's kind of comical on this side of it now, how we make our plans and we're so confident in, in what we're going to do. And then for me personally, I flew headfirst into um, this brick wall called menopause. So if you're under, if you're young, I hope I don't terrify you. Um, and if you're old, you'll probably know what I mean. And I also know it's different for everyone. But it's a really long, complicated story, and I won't go into all of it, because I'm sure you don't really want to know. But if you do know me, you would know that I'm someone who's got a really huge capacity. Um, I can hold a lot. But that woman is no longer sitting in front of you, because I can't hold so much anymore. Um, sorry. I think the kind of the first five months of this year for me would be what I would have called facing the... I'm going to cry. I'm crying. I'm so glad Ethan's not here. He would give me. Um, it just like that dark night of the soul. That's what it felt like for me. I had anxiety that was so crippling. It looked like lying on my wardrobe floor or the bathroom floor. I'm fine, Jenny. Thanks right now. Um, just trying to breathe so I could get up and go to whatever I had to go to. Coming here was horrendous. Um, I had terrible panic attacks where I would wake Paul Linden. I would wake him multiple times, um, telling him he needs to call an ambulance and I'm having a heart attack. And he would say, no, you're not. And I, he's since told me he's so glad I wasn't. Because oh, God, please don't <laughs> let her actually be having a heart attack. I would feel awful. Um, it was uncontrollable crying. I have bumped into people on the beach and lost the plot, and I'm like, what the heck, for no reason at all. Um, I had teeth extracted, I had lung x-rays, I had mammograms, I had ultrasounds, I had tooth infections, I had MRIs, I had root canals, and I think the hardest of all, though, was the, um, I'm shaking, sorry, um, terrible insomnia. So I would wake, I would go to bed, and then I would wake. And I basically permanently placed myself in the guest room, and I would watch Netflix for hours through the night, and I would just lie there thinking, what has happened to me? I can only describe it as my body no longer felt like my own, and I didn't recognize myself at all. And the hardest bit was feeling so exhausted and feeling like we weren't okay, and that our marriage was slowly slipping away. We very much felt more like flatmates than lovers. And our new season, our year of exploring and walking and all the dreams, our baby days long gone, um, it all came crashing down in a place that we were literally just merely surviving. And I really wasn't okay. I have been to the doctor more this year than I have ever been in my entire life. I think my whole family would now agree that I have taken the title of drama queen from Lyndon. Um, <laughs> I became a hypochondriac, sure I was dying of so many different things. And it has literally been like living my worst nightmare. Um, I'm really truly not the same person I was a year ago. And I'm so grateful for some people in this room and they know who they are, who have walked with me and listened to me and carried me in a really dark season. They've prayed for me when I felt so hopeless because prayer was not happening for me. I would, I would try, but it just felt like it was falling on deaf ears. I'm so grateful for my supervisor who reassured me over and over and over again that I wasn't going crazy when I felt like I was and for an incredible doctor who listened and cared and gave me way more time than their 10-minute slot 
um, to help me get through. But mostly, I'm so grateful for Lyndon. Because we are, he's in the same marriage, but he has a very different wife. And the grace and love he's had for me through what has been the hardest years of our marriage yet. I think, I think for me, this does get better, by the way. <laughs> you called us here for what? Um, for me, it was, it was incredibly disconcerting to see um, the, probably the person in my life, I've, I've never known anyone who's more capable and like can do so many things and just so many things for me. Like I must say, a lot of my disconcertion was about my own well-being. Like who's going to look after me? Like you do that? Um, but no, in all seriousness, to be eyewitness to all of it was just so, so difficult. And seemingly to see um, really um, Angela falling apart, but, but uh, like she said, feeling, like genuinely feeling like we were falling apart. I think in 27 years of marriage, um, like that season, I, I really genuinely didn't think we were going to make it. Like I kind of was my lowest of the low moments, you know, when you're kind of like in those places and you think, okay, well, at least the real estate market's really good. We can sell our house in Algies Bay and I might be able to buy something in Hamilton. And they're like, oh God, not Hamilton. Like, come on. That's, I'm just kidding for anyone who... No, but genuinely, like really quite like, I like this is what, like I was genuinely thinking that this was going to, that was going to be our future. Um, and being able to look back and see kind of those moments, where you know, hindsight's beautiful, um, to be able to kind of see for, for us both, we just in, in kind of debriefing through all of it, the crescendo of that time really came when um, I did um, that, that five-day um, silent retreat. Um, and it was that of pure, pure desperation of, God, I, I need you. Like, everything else feels like it's falling apart. I, I, need, I need you. Um, and so, so I went on, on that five-day retreat, decided to go completely unplugged, left all of my devices and phone and iPad, everything away. We couldn't um, be in contact with one another. And, and really, the, the time I look back now, and it was just really bringing all of, because I hadn't articulated any of the things that I was feeling and thinking um, about the season to anyone. And they're just kind of, those thoughts were just sort of racing around in my head. And so that time in the silent retreat was really just bringing all of those um, fears and worries and anxieties and concerns and like w the worst of what I was thinking to the feet of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and just, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, or, or whenever I spoke about it, was had, had kind of the most profound experience in my adult life of encountering the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in that very, um, in that really place of weakness and, and real fear. For Angela, equally, that week of something about um, being completely separated from one another and anyway I can still remember it just it just will be one of those moments um, where I come back from the retreat put the garage door up drove in and opened up the door and by the time I opened up my door to get out of the car the door into the garage opened and and Angela was there and we just had a moment of really hugging one another and and saying I love you in a way that you know meant so much more than it's ever meant before do you know like like it, the, that, that, those three words had more teeth than they've ever had before. Um, and so we just, in that moment, just a profound sense of we have got to work our off at this relationship. Like we've got to recommit. Like we haven't gone this far. We haven't got through all of this to stop now. And, and there was a real sense for both of us, not because we felt incredibly strong and powerful, but it's because we felt so weak and yet we could still carry on. You know, it was a real sense of God's strength in, in weakness. And so we made this commitment to one another to reinvest and recommit to us to once again choose love. And I guess we tell all of that to say, in so many ways, 
that's what these two weeks are for us as Maharingi Vineyard. We really feel like God is bringing us to a place of encountering you, encountering him in the garage, telling him and him telling you, I love you, and you tell him that you love him, but then with, a, with an increased sense, a renewed sense of recommitment and reinvestment into choosing love. We have got to choose love. And so I want to just take a, the, a bit of time that we have, and I'm trying not to race, I'm not going to race through it, we've got tons of time telling myself, about really this thing called opportunity that we have in front of us. And I want to just use some, scripture is filled. Did I? Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no. <laughs> I didn't have that in my notes. I know. Cause there we go. Go ahead. I, I shouldn't have said it, and then I would have got away with it. Um, so oh, yeah. yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I got it now. <laughs> I remembered. Um, so, yeah, as in all of that season for me, that it's a long story, and I'm happy to talk to anyone about it, but life was still happening while all of that was happening for me. Like, life doesn't stop. And there were actually some huge things happening um, at the same time that, trying to navigate with feeling like I was just trying to survive every day. But as I began to lift my head kind of out of that really dark season, it kind of struck me in a whole new way of how we are living in such a different world. Our world has changed in the last, I don't know, what is it, 18 months, two years. Not just, not just our world, not just in our four walls, but in our country and globally, the world is a, is a really different place. And at times for me, that has felt so uncomfortable and in a really scary place to sit. But as we kind of made the decision that day in our garage, that it actually was the most beautiful moment. And I, I don't know, for me anyway, from that moment, it was like, we're going to be okay. Like, yeah. Um, but as we made that choice to invest in our marriage and to open our hearts to each other again, I have to actually go back and say we were never fighting. It did not look like that at all. We just literally were existing and not communicating. Um, I do remember one day I said to Lyndon, you don't ask me how I am. And he said, no, because I'm too terrified to ask you how you are. Because <laughs> every day I had a new thing I was dying of. Um, oh, sorry, I've gone completely <laughs> off my notes. Um, yeah, but so to just be intentional every day, and I really feel like God is asking that of us. I feel like for me, and I feel like for us, we have to open ourselves up again. I feel like the last 18 months of this world has closed us in. We have hunkered down. Some of, some of it we've had to, but we've hunkered down and we've closed in, and we've kind of gone to this safe place of where we feel like, I don't know, just cocooned, but I feel like God is wanting us to open up again and stretch out. I think we've closed ranks, and I think it's so understandable that we've done that. We've seen it in our own lives, definitely, but we've also, we've definitely seen it here in church, too. But today, I just want to encourage us again with this good old vineyard theology. I think it's Lloyd Rankin, I don't know if it was John Wimber, but would we bet the farm again? You know, would we put everything on the line again for Jesus? And would we, as followers of Jesus, live out of an opposite spirit of this world, which is that kind of hunker down, close in? I feel like God wants us to dream again. I think we can either be paralyzed by the fear of everything we see around us, or we can act in the opposite spirit and, God, and know that God has something new for us. And that in that, that I so believe that God will thrust us even further than we ever thought we could go. I don't want to be paralyzed by the danger. I want to have a new mindset where we see threats, but that we, we are agile enough to adapt and pivot. I feel like 2020 was the year of pivoting. Um, we all had to learn to pivot and take hold of opportunities that God has for us. And I think for me, when... God uses creation to speak to me often, um, not in the water like Steve, because I'm a bit scared of the water, but, but other things. 
Um, and we went up to Tutakaka after Anna and Ken's wedding for a few days for some R&R. And we went down to the beach for a walk. And Lyndon, I don't know why we did this, but anyway, Lyndon went off walking and I turned around and went the other way um, up this sort of grassy path. And to the left of me, there was this kind of rickety old fence and there was a fantail sitting on the fence. And it just... I, w I don't know how long it was there, it was ages. And I felt like he, this fantail was just performing for me. It was so beautiful. He was dancing all around and um, he was in no hurry to leave. And I was quite struck by it. But then in early July, we went away to the Vineyard Pastors Retreat in Papamoa where we go every year. And Steve Graham, um, who is from Equippers, he spoke to us about the Piwaka Waka, which is the New Zealand fantail. And I got this whole new perspective on the Piwaka Waka. I was taken back to that day in Tutakaka and learnt that a Piwaka Waka, in fact, is not a social bird at all. Here I thought it was dancing for me. Um, it, they're not like that. All other birds will fly away when humans approach. But with the Piwaka Waka, they're the one bird that flies toward a threat. So we're their threat, so to speak, because they know that we're their opportunity. Because we're walking and we're stirring the ground and the bugs and the insects and everything come to life. They're confident in their agility to get what they want, to get the, the bugs, and know that they can avoid us. They're agile, they can pivot, they can get away from us as a threat. The DOC website says the fantail is one of the few native bird species in New Zealand that's been able to adapt to an environment greatly altered by humans. It's so confident in its agility. And I think for us, we feel like now more than ever as a church, it's time for us to fly toward opportunity. It may feel terrifying. It does feel terrifying. Um, but I so know that with Jesus and his Holy Spirit that that's all we need. And this morning it was so cool. Lennon left early because he got a call because there'd been a party here and it was a pigsty. And he left and I was feeling a little bit like, why am I doing this? Um, I was actually scared I was going to have a panic attack because I was like, that would be awesome to do that up the front. Um, but so I went, we've got Gus, our puppy, and he he's not really a puppy anymore, but he loves mud. And he's... This morning I thought, I need to actually watch him when he goes out, because if I don't watch him, I haven't got time to deal with mud today. So I walked out onto the... I, you've got to, like, kick him out. And I took him... He was out there on the grass, and I stood on the edge of the deck. And I look over to... Just, like, over here is our bird bath. And sitting on the edge of the bird bath was a Piwaka Waka. And I don't think I've ever seen one there before. And I just stood on the deck, and I felt so grateful to God, like, it, again, I know the Piwaka Waka wasn't dancing for me, but it felt like God speaking to me, just saying, you're on the right track. Um, and he came and he flew toward me and he went past me and he went over to that tree I don't like, I don't know what it's called, and then he came back and he just circled around and I just sat there going, oh, and it was so beautiful. They are beautiful, beautiful birds if you ever get the chance to watch them. And all that to say, I think it's our time to stop hiding away. I think we need to know that the Holy Spirit is calling us forward, and I want us to lift our eyes again, to look out and to grab hold of opportunity. I feel like God wants us to carry that spirit of the Piwaka Waka, that we would see opportunity and maybe a little frightened, but that we would just fly toward it. I think for me this year, in my darkest places, when I have felt so incredibly threatened, the one thing I didn't do was, was fly toward it. I turned and hid, but I, f I honestly, going back and kind of looking at where we've been, this does feel like a new season. Like, there's a long story as to how we moved forward and, and how I got out of that place, but I so believe it's a new season for us and a new season for the church. I so know that our community needs us and 
I want to be an agile, pivoting fantail, ready to, um, to fly toward whatever God has. Wonderful. Now we're on to it. Eh? <laughs> Scripture is filled with stories of ordinary people who do just that, who look through life through the lens of opportunity. And I wanted to share a few of them with us. Um, and they're, they're really familiar. Um, a lot of the text I'm going to really just paraphrase. Um, but it is really just a matter of reminding us of what it is to, to live life, to look through life through the lens of opportunity. And oftentimes, it is um, in the midst of challenging, uncertain times. It's in the midst of danger, in the midst of hardship, of suffering, of doubt. But people, instead of running away and hiding or shutting down or closing in, they've moved toward um, move toward those things, move toward opportunity, and have found God in the midst of it. And so the first one I want to look at, if you've got a Bible or a device with a Bible on it, let's turn to Isaiah 6. Um, and again, Angela's going to read this, um, and I think we're going to put it up. There we go. Um, Isaiah, Isaiah 6, 1 to 8. And um, again, really familiar, but just a, a couple of little things I wanted to pull out from, from this. That's tiny on it was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it, and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. History will tell us that it was 52 years um, was the reign of King Uzziah. So again, we find ourselves in a, we would have found ourselves in a situation where we're of great uncertainty, of, of everything changing, of everything being kind of up in the air, lots of fear around what was to come. And yet we see a picture of God coming and reminding ourselves that he's still on the throne. Do you know, like, don't we need to be reminded that God is still on the throne? Like, I, you see some of the stuff, you know, talk about my lips are dirty. It's like, we could translate that to my, my Instagram posts are dirty and the people around me's Instagram. You know, like all the stuff that we see, the things that we're focusing on, the conspiracy theories, the, the things that we get ourselves so worked up about. I feel like we're, that we, it's so easy to give darkness a lot more credit than it's due. But we need to be reminded that the God is still on the throne. That, that we can go forward in that. And then we see Isaiah, the, the seraphim, coming down and touching the coals on his mouth. We need an encounter with Jesus. And that encounter with Jesus needs to change us. Needs to cha change who we are, change how we see the world, change how we see others. So, so how, how or why should we be people who move toward opportunity? The first is this. We be people who move toward opportunity because God, because the Father is still at work. The Father is still at work and he's still asking the same question. Who will go for me? Whom shall we send? 
Why should, why should we, as Maharangi Vineyard, be people who embrace opportunity, who fly toward things that might scare us? It's because the Father is still on the throne. He's still at work out there, still doing something. I love the picture of the fact that when, when God was asking that question, when he was looking at Isaiah, we can interpret the same way. When God is looking at you and asking you, whom shall I send? Who should go for me? He's looking at you, but he's looking looking out there like he's looking out he's looking at you but he's looking beyond you into our community into our world into the people around us into our workplaces and say say whom shall i send for them that's why we as Maharangi Vineyard need to embrace what it is to live a life looking through the lens of opportunity because our world needs it god is still at work The second one I want to look at, again, these are all super familiar, um, is Esther. Turn to, turn to the book of Esther, and I'm going to, look, I'm going to paraphrase really, really briefly. And, but again, an incredible portion of Scripture that so, would be so fascinating or great to read, remind ourselves of, is this, this again, we find a season or a, a place in life where, where Haman has got a plot to kill all of the Jews. Esther, who's a Jew, who finds herself as being a queen. Like, like, talk about world being unsettled. And this is a really good, like as plots go, this is a really good plot. Like this isn't just like a, oh, I got a plan. This is like a real plan. And it looks like it could really come off. Like, don't we? Like, I've heard, I've heard people say, like, even in our world, like, this, this agenda of the world that we live in. Well, talk about agendas. This is more than agenda. This is like a full-on plan. And there's backing to it. And, and it can all come about. And so, so Mordecai, who's Esther's uncle, comes, brings the news to Esther and says, you know, you're it. Like, like, I think this is it. And there's this incredible verse in verse 14 that Andrew's going to read. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. There's a couple of things here. One note is the fact that I love that first sentence. You know, deliverance is going to come. Again, God is still on the throne. Like if you're worked up about the political situation of where we find ourselves or, or the socioeconomic things or all of those things, if you're worked up about that, you should be worked up with a knowing that God is still going to do his, have his way. God is still on the throne. Like don't give darkness more credit than it's due. But I love this thing. But what if? So why for us? Sorry, I'm yelling. Why, why <laughs> as Maharangi Vineyard, why should we be people who run toward and embrace opportunity? Because who knows? Perhaps we were made for such a time as this. Like just maybe. Who knows? See if I can not yell this next one. Um, first, first Samuel. I know all my kids. I'm, I'm a yeller. It's it's my heritage. I can't get away from it. Yeah, yeah that's it. That's it. First Samuel 14. Again, we have got this. You know, if you think scripture is boring, I invite you to re-encourage. This is an incredible, incredible story. First Samuel 14. And again, I'm going to paraphrase hugely. Um, but we find our Israel finding itself in the middle of a battle with the Philistines, completely over, over, um, everything's on the, on going against them. They are, they are fully outnumbered. And, and Jonathan, one day Jonathan says to his armor bearer, come on, let's go over to where those Philistines have their outpost. And, and, and then it's, Christopher says that Saul, um, with the rest of the, the Israelite army is sort of just camping out under a pomegranate tree. 
I don't know why they make mention of it, that it's a pomegranate tree, but, but we find out. Um, but there's this thing of just sort of sitting back, you know, like of waiting. But there's something in Jonathan says, come on, let's go. Let's go over and have a look. Um, and it talks about, goes into it. And, I, and I, again, I encourage you to have a look at it. Um, talks about how he scrambled, they had to scramble down one side of the cliff and then scramble back up the other side. And on their way over, um, Jonathan says, so um, let me make sure I get it. Um, so when we get to the other side, if they say, if they say come on up we're, or we're going to kill you, then we'll stop and we'll, go, and we'll go back to camp. But if they say, come on up and fight, then we'll, then we'll go up and we'll know that's a sign from the Lord that he will help us defeat them. This is two guys. <laughs> Don't you love that? So they climbed up, this verse, so they climbed up using both their hands and their feet, and they got up to the Philistines, because they did say, they said, come on up, we'll fight you. So it was like, all right, we're all on, you know, it's in. And so they climb up, and they get to the top, and Scripture said they, they killed 20, 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over half an acre. Again, I don't know why we need to know that, but like, I'm sure there's a theologian somewhere that will know the reason why the bodies we needed to know is over half an acre that they were. But suddenly, panic broke out in the entire Philistine camp, and and it spread throughout the entire field. And and then there was this incredible overtaking of this. So why, why as Maharangi Vineyard, and just going to read verse 6, again, this incredible pivotal point in, in the scripture. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle, whether he has many warriors or only a few. So why, as Maharangi Vineyard, do we be people who fly into the face of opportunity, who move toward it? Because what if we take a step into dot, 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 maybe, just maybe, something extraordinary could happen? Like, like maybe I need to yell again to get, get, get going about but like so, so why why be people who fly into opportunity? Who who even though everything in us might be like turn tail run, why why are we being called to be a church who fly into the face of opportunity? Because maybe just maybe God is calling us to step into a place that we will see the extraordinary happen. Like read, if you, and if you want to see how extraordinary, extraordinary in Scripture is, is read the rest of that story. How is it that two people could cause an entire, two people in God, cause an entire army to go into complete chaos? Because maybe, just maybe, God can do something extraordinary when we step forward. You know, there's, it's a kingdom principle that God will back our faith. Like when we step out, like, and, and this isn't just me. Like I'm, there, there is a big part of me that loves just to, oh, do you know, like I'm not, but oh my goodness, like I don't want to, I don't want to live my life just, I don't want to, I don't want Maharingi Vineyard just to be, coming here and doing what we've done and carrying on doing it and carrying on doing it and just doing it. Like I love that picture of scratching on their, on their hands and knees, climbing up to, to where the extraordinary happens. So why do we look through, why do we be a people, why do we be a church who looks through the lens of opportunity? One, because the Father is still at work. He's still asking the question. Two, who knows perhaps if we were made, if Maharingi Vineyard was made for such a time as this, like in, in this community, in this area, for such a time as this, what if we as a church step into the unknown, step into whatever, maybe, just maybe, God and us will see the extraordinary happen. And finally this, Acts 16. Again, turn to this if you would, please. Um, and we're going to pick up in verse 6. Acts 16, 
This has some words I don't know how to pronounce, so I don't know what, anyway. Make it till you make <laughs> it. Next, Paul and Silas travelled through the area of P and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So many of you know we've, we've just finished a, quite a long series in, in Philippians. And this in many ways is kind of the why or how that whole church happened or, or the Philippian church happened. God was calling Paul into literally a whole new world. Like if you look on a map, what, where, where Paul went is such a narrow piece of land. But, but all up until that point, his entire missionary and church planting journey was in, in, in Turkey or what we know now of Turkey. And what this dream was, was God calling Paul, calling him to, to, to move into a whole new world. And we see that in the Philippian church then, all that that had happened. Like, like we have the benefit of hindsight of like, um, like look at all the joy and, and the good that came from the obedience of following God into that whole new world. We, we see that in Philippians. And, so, and then that's verse 9. The man in his dream was calling out, was crying out for help. Why do we as Maharingi Vineyard Church lean into or look through the lens of opportunity? It's because our world is still crying out for help. Like they might not even be able to articulate it or even know that they're doing it. But our world, the people in our lives, the people in our community, the people that are behind the face of things that we might want to call an agenda, who are actually real people, are crying out for help. They're crying out for more. They're crying out for Jesus. Jesus is still the answer. Like, like the good news of the gospel is still the good news. Like people still need Jesus and nothing else will satisfy. Why, do we, why are we to be a people of, 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 who lean into and fly toward opportunity? It's because our world is still crying out for help and Jesus is the only help that, they, they can, that will truly help that will truly make a difference. You know, we, get so, we can get so worked up about, about the things that are going on around us, like the whole idea of identity and, and, and worth. Like, and, and I've heard so many people get so worked up about it and so disconcerted about, about a lot of the narrative that goes on around identity. But, but who better than the church? Like, we should be the number one place that anyone who's struggling with identity to go to. Because, I need a Bible, I was going to hold it up. But like, like uh, does anyone have a Bible? Like, pretend. There you go. Like, okay, see that. Like, look, what does the Bible say about who we are as people? Like, like our identity in Christ. What does that say about it? Now, who can confidently say you live that out every day 100%? Like, that's who we are as people, for goodness sake. Like, to be a follower of Jesus is to be a people who embrace a life of struggling with the identity of what we're called to be and the reality of who we are. Come on, like, like our world is crying out for help and this is one of the best places they should be able to find it. Not one of the worst. Like, like what about the fact that we live in this incredibly beautiful place that is unbelievably awe-inspiring in its creation and yet we have the worst suicide rate of almost anywhere else in the world. Like our world is crying out for help and if they can't get answers, if they can get answers anywhere, why can't it be here? Like, why can't this be the place that people encounter what their worth is like? That they, they, they know that they're not alone. 
that this is the place that they get confronted with the, the lies that go around in their head, the things that they're being told in their own head, that they're not worth it, that this world would be better off without them. What if this is the place that they get confronted with over and over and over again, that this world is better because of them? Like that they have a worth and an intrinsic value that they could never hope or imagine to understand. That God loves them beyond that they could ever imagine. And what if this is the place that they hear it? Not once, but every time they walk through the door. Or every time we walk through their door. Like, so why, why should we be people who embrace opportunity. It's because the Father is still at work, and He's still asking us that question. Why? Because who knows, perhaps we were made for such a time as this. Why? Because if, what if we just, what if we take a step into this unknown? Maybe something extraordinary could happen. Why? Because our world is still crying out for help. And we, as followers of Jesus, have the answers. More than that, we have the answer. We have Jesus. We have the love that he has. You know, next week, we are going to... Oh, we're pretty good for time. I knew I was going to go a bit long, but... You know, next week, we're going to continue to communicate some really significant opportunities, some kind of legs, if you were, to putting, putting uh, you know, the next, what we feel is the next step. Because do you know what? This could just be a bit of a rah-rah and then nothing. But I actually don't think it is. And I think we're all the answer to why that isn't going to be the case. Um, but this morning, so, so that, that's next week. So please make it every effort to be here. Um, but, but we're actually going to start today. And one of the things that we've really felt so encouraged about was leaning into this whole idea of leaning into opportunity is really excited to announce um, our, our, a new leadership team, a new team of, of leaning in together into all that God has for um, this next season. So I want to invite Matt and Lee, Nile and Grace, and Craig and Tammy up. And But also, more than that, I want to invite Amos and Ariana, Shiloh, Abriana, and Beniah, Daniel, Jamie, and Josh all forward. And, and we're going to, and I'd love for us just to pray and commit um, this new team um, to, um, to us as a church. It's, it's really for, for us, you know, um, what this looks like is, in, in a, like I said before, in a new season where, where there's staff and, and people like Dej who take incredible um, areas of responsibility over worship and, and pastoral care of worship and stuff, there's, there's kind of a whole, there's a whole level of unknown to what um, this new team is about. But one thing that I keep coming back to, again, is that sense of investing into who knows what is going to happen. And I feel like this team, um, they are young, um, and, it's, and it makes us feel old, um, but, but there are some really incredible things that we really feel like um, this is part of what it is to lean in to the opportunity of what is to come. You guys can come up now, actually, if you can. You can pray for us. We're going to pray now. So actually, why don't we all stand, and these guys will come up. And, and, if, and if you know them or they're your friends, we're going to kind of just end this morning with just a time of really prayer and, and just praying for them and for us as well, but really just um, for us in the immediate go forward, we're, we're taking a lot of opportunity or a lot of time and energy into, into developing team culture of, of actually um, really wrestling with what disagreement looks like, of what, what healthy um, you know, faith journeying looks like together. We're going to take opportunities to really um, try to get to know one another, our strengths, what we all bring to the table. And we're going to actually just really take opportunities to pray for one another and support one 
one another in, in what it is. Um, these guys are, are partially taking up the mantle. I've done my best to run, kind of warn them. I, I felt like in a lot of ways I was like an anti-salesman because it was like, this is going to be hard. Are you really sure? Um, and, but, but I actually really felt like to be really confident for all of them to know that God is calling them into these roles for such a time as this. Um, and we, may, we don't know what all of it will look like, but we know that we know that what if um, God will use them and all of us to do something extraordinary. And I just wanted to add on, when we um, finally got our heads out of water again to go, we actually, we did not like flying solo and not having a team around us. We were okay last year, but we were not okay this year. Um, and it was actually quite terrifying to... What? You've got a big fly on your head. Oh, yuck. <laughs> That's disgusting. It's not a fantail, is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I've totally lost my train of thought. Um, no, there was, there was a part of us that was really nervous to reinvest again because, you know, it's new relationships. Well, not new, that's not the right word, but when Lyndon was away... Um, and when, we came, when he came back and it was like, okay, God, we were terrified, to be honest, that they were all going to say no and we'd be alone. That was really how we were mm. feeling. And it was just a sense of going, okay, God, we're going to ask and we're going to trust you with, with whatever. And we asked and they all said yes. Yeah. Um, and we were really honest and we didn't sell something that, well, I, don't, I hope we didn't, that it you know, wasn't going to be. So anyway... Mm. And, uh, and I think um, I, I asked these guys, so if, why don't you spread out a little bit, friends, come up, we're going to just lay hands on them and really bless and really just, um, if you've got words or pictures you want to do, um, I think Dad, you're going to put some music on, whatever, um, but we'd just really love for this to be an opportunity to really pray into, a beginning, pray into the beginning of what is a very exciting opportunity that we're flying into. And I think there's something extraordinarily prophetic about the children of these group like like my heart is that we as as a team um you know these guys those guys have all made decisions um that that are are something that their children are being taken along with and we want to bless that as well um, that so like like our leadership teams are really loud and we, it, we i normally have one to two things that we need to do and we're normally said uh, maybe that's why i yell because well, it's pretty noisy, eh? Um, but I actually think there's something incredibly powerful about bringing these kids, as well as our kids, along in the journey, you know? Like, and, I, and I just think it's so good. So I think that's, that's us for this morning. We're just going to take the rest of the time to pray over them. You can come up if, if you'd like to, lay hands on them, pray for them. Please make every effort to be here next week. We've got... Um, two more things that we'd really like to communicate that really are um, going to be quite pivotal in, I think, the going forward of Maharingi Vineyard. So thank you.